Welcome to another episode of the Trusted Advisor podcast and video series powered by the Retail Solutions Providers Association. Our goal on the pod is to accelerate the success of today's and tomorrow's leaders in the retail IT industry. I'm Jim Roddy back with you again. Thank you so much for joining us. Now, this is a special quick take episode of the pod where for about 20 or 25 minutes, we feature an RSP member who will speak at Retail Now 2023. If you're not familiar with Retail Now, it's the Retail IT Channel's number one trade show, educa education conference networking event, scheduled for July 30th through August 1st at the Gaylord Palms in Orlando. Retail Now will feature five education tracks and more than 20 education sessions, including one we'll discuss today, future trends in retail and hospitality, and our special guest to discuss is talk and a few other topics is James Frank, an innovations consultant at Toshiba Global Commerce. James, welcome to the Trusted Advisor. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, great to uh, great to meet you. Uh, and so this is going to be your first time speaking uh, at an RSP event. So can you get our audience up to speed? So how did you get here, right? Can you share with our audience your professional background and also your uh, role at Toshiba? Interesting to have a title of innovations consultant. Um, excellent. Yeah, it's it's actually been um, the journey's actually taken a lifetime, to be honest. Um, I, I started working in retail. And my father opened up a drugstore when I was six years old, and um, he used to take me to work with him all the time. Um, so whenever I had time off from school, vacations, he was always running the store, and I would go with him. And so I was a six-year-old stock boy at a drugstore. Um, and people used to find it adorable because I used to wear these the stock boys used to wear um, uh, cloaks back in the day. And so mine would actually come down to my knees. And so retail has been in my blood ever since. Um, and so when I was in university, um, while I was in university, I started working as a systems analyst at a company called STS Systems. We we're working on POS systems and back end. Um, so I cut my teeth on DOS and Unix systems going all the way back. Uh, from there, moved off into sales and business development, working with SMBs, building um, product lines for them. So I realized it was a it was a it was a, a bit of a gap in the market at the time for small medium business solutions and point of sale. So built some solutions there, and then uh, moved back over into the tier one. Went to go work for Fujitsu, uh, working on their product lines and self service. Uh, working on product lines such as um, uh, taking self-service, well, self-checkout devices and bringing them down to smaller sizes to do um, express lanes, things along those ways, always sort of pushing the market and pushing it forward. Uh, and my latest um, iteration has been coming to Toshiba, where I was hired on as the uh, innovations consultant. And um, I always usually start off by talking about the difference between innovation and invention. Uh, they usually get, sometimes they get um, a, a little too um, connected and they're, they are very different. Uh, innovation is to actually just, uh, innovation is, is to take an innovation, uh, an invention rather, and figure out how to put it to better use and how to make better use of it. And really, how do you take an invention that's in the market or something that's in the market and change the way that you interact with it and change the way that it addresses the market? And so that's really what innovation is. Um, at, at Toshiba, it's interesting because we are tier one and we do do a lot of invention. And so uh, my role is to really walk the line between the two. Um, and so I mentioned before, one of my favorite quotes is from Wayne Gretzky, uh, which is you skate to where the puck is going to be, not where it is. And that's really what innovation is. Innovation is deciding where's the puck going to be and, and how do we make sure we're skating towards it in the right direction. And um, it's really, for me, it's, it's, it's a passion play that's taken my whole life really to get to, to really understand 
retail, how it works, uh, the inner workings of it from all the, all the way from, from the, you know, the head office, all the way boots on the ground to the cashier. And so, um, um, yeah, it's, it's always interesting doing podcasts because you actually have to take a little bit of stock in your life and realize yeah. how long it's taking <laughs> to get here. So. Yes. No, thank you for that. And again, I'm, I'm glad because we bill, you know, the speaker uh, roster for retail now has been there, done that, seen most of it, if not all of it, uh, retail technology professionals. And so you you certainly you certainly fit that bill. So thank you. I'm glad, glad you're delivering on that. So let's talk about your presentation in particular at the show. And so the description of it says you're going to discuss technologies, emerging technologies that are positioned to enhance a customer experience, improve operational efficiency, see and then ultimately drive revenue growth. And some of the trends and technologies are AI and machine learning to personalize the customer experience, the adoption of augmented reality and virtual reality to enhance product visualization, and then also increasing the use of robotics and automation in the supply chain and backend operations. So I throw that long list out there. And so I'm hoping mm. let's dig into one of those technology topics today. So uh, James, which one do you want to talk about? Um, well, what I find interesting is, is, is even within that breadth of that of, of all those different topics, um, what my talk is about is um, is the danger we have in technology of of looking for silver bullets to solve your problems. Um, I find in retail uh, we go in these 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 big hype waves where a new tech will come along and we try and use it as a silver bullet to solve all problems. Um, and I don't think that that serves anyone's purpose really because there's no such thing as that. Uh, I think the other way, I think the other uh, way that I that I, I tend to change uh, the way I look at the market is less from the tech point of view and more from um, the business challenges you're trying to solve. And I find what's happening a lot of times is that we take technology and we forget about the people that are actually we're trying to service. Um, and so. A good example we talk about a lot has to do with friction, right? So everybody's talking about friction and frictionless retail and everything should be frictionless, except we forget about the fact that your store isn't filled with only one single person, type of person. There is an endless array of generations now shopping in stores and each one has their own desires, needs, budgets, um, and they come from vastly different generations. And, and in fact, the younger generations are probably some of the generations furthest removed from the oldest ones that we've ever experienced as a modern society. I mean, a boomer and a Gen Z have very little in common as far as they see the world. Um, and so they have very different needs and desires when they walk into a retail store. And so I think one of the, we're at a point where there's so much technology to be put into a store that um, we need to start focusing on addressing each one of these person's needs uh, to give them that experience. Because the demands, if I had to say there's one single demand on a retailer today, it's that everybody wants a bespoke experience. It's very hard when you're all walking into the same store. Um, and so, but it is possible. And I think that that technology, a lot of this technology has reached a point where um, you can actually provide um, not a 100% bespoke experience, but you can allow every single different type of demographic to select their own personal experience. Um, but that happens best when you focus on the person themselves and not the technology itself. Uh, technology is a tool. Right. And, and, and people are uh, people have have challenges and people have wants and desires. And so how do you best take the tool and solve those problems? And that's kind of the way I like to look at the market rather than saying I have this new hammer. I have this new tool in my hand. Let me go find a nail to smack down. Um, and so the, there there is that's I think kind of the way the industry is really shifting. And if we want to focus in on specific technologies, for example. Right. So if we take something, let's say, like um, 
computer vision, machine learning, right? Mm -hmm. AI is a big, big term. So we'll focus in on, let's say, computer vision. So one of the areas I spent the past uh, little while working on is how do we actually apply computer vision, let's say, for loss prevention at the front end? Um, we know that in the industry, there's significant challenges when it comes to labor, right? Originally, we didn't want to pay for labor. Now we can't even find the labor to pay for. And so um, there's a, that, that, that shift has taken place with the same end result. We need less labor at the front, uh, which we are using things like computer vision to replace um, the necessity for the labor we can't find even. Um, and by implementing computer vision solutions, which would add security, um, and then even add a bespoke experience, let's say at, at, at the checkout. Um, and so that's for the people who want to take that road. What that does also is it can free up a certain amount of labor now to give a high touch experience for those who want it also. Um, and so you can see where it's not about just removing labor. It can be about actually improving the experience of of the actual customer themselves when you choose to apply technology in a way that allows you to use your resources to the best end result, not just look at where do I put technology and then walk away because the job's done. Um, and then that'll also free up another element to the store where you have you have Gen Z's, millennials who then want different technology experiences, right? Much more mobile. They want things tailored to them. Well, when you have all your technology that's automating your processes here and you have people taking care of over there, that frees up another opportunity and gives you more resources on the other side where you can start addressing this next generations coming up because we all know retail is all about addressing your generation today, but laying those seeds for your next generation customer also. Everybody's in this for the long haul. And so you wanna make sure that if you're going to be a grocer and you wanna make sure that you've planted the seed in the head of a Gen Z, for example, um, you wanna start by giving them the, the experience that they want today. It may not be the one they want tomorrow, but it's the one they want today. And who knows what they're gonna to want tomorrow because they're Gen Zs. Um, and so I think that 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 a lot of the technology coming around today if, if, is is, provides the opportunity to not just solve that direct problem in front, but also open up other opportunities in terms of changing the way you can actually provide that experience within your retail store itself. Um, and I think that predominantly happens when you stop looking at strictly metrics and start focusing on people and come back to your customer and come back to the people who you want to attract and who you want to come back. Um, and so uh, even things like robotics on the back end, right? Um, if, if you're looking at, 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 let's say, Gen Z who really truly wants to have these multiple, I mean, if you want to talk about an omni, a digester of omni-channel experiences, it's Gen Z, right? Um, they understand that better than anyone else because they grew up with it. Millennials were a bit of a bridge. I'm Gen, I'm Gen X, so I've bridged two massive worlds, but the Gen Zs are really the truly native-born digital. Mm -hmm. And... So that omni-channel experience, um, you have to deliver that in a way that speaks to them. Um, and so having things like robotics being fulfillment, like turning, being able to turn, let's say, your retail, your brick and mortar into sort of a last mile fulfillment center, for example. So you can then deliver that, that instant gratification that a Gen Z is looking for when they want to purchase something online. Or let's say you don't have it in store, the ability for it to be waiting at their door for them when they get home. All these automations really do create these opportunities, and but to address it on the specific, you know, generational level. Yeah, and so thank you for that. That was super helpful. Can you talk about the role that the VAR then needs to play 
I almost picture them in the middle of all that, right? They have to understand all the technologies and all the ways that they can be applied, right? And so that's, you know, almost facing one way. Then when they face their merchants, they have to understand exactly how the merchant works, how the merchant's different range of customers work, and then how do they, you know, fit all those different technologies in to get the personal outcome that they're looking for. It almost seems like it's such a huge challenge for them. It's a lot better than I'm just a dealer for X vendor, and this is I just mm-hmm. have a one size fits all. But it seems like it adds huge complexity to what the VAR does in terms of engaging with their vendors and then also engaging with the merchant and really coming up with something that's digestible for the merchant and also fits within their budget. So what would be your advice? What are your thoughts uh, on that in terms of the challenge for the VAR being in the middle of that? I think VARs are facing um, um, an interesting challenge today, Um, strictly based on the fact that, that, as you mentioned, I think that there's so much technology that's constantly evolving now. um, It's very difficult to just sell it as a SKU, right? So you you really are solving problems. And so to that end, I think most VARs, the successful VARs are the ones that become that trusted advisor. The one that actually understands the heartbeat of the industry where things are going and also can create a holistic view of solutions. Um, there's, a, there's so much interconnectivity. Uh, one of the big pushes going on in the industry as well is to remove the, the, the silos of technology that have typically been there before. And we need to see a lot more cross-pollination across solutions. Like we're returning back, I believe, to the time of the platform plays. It was a long time in our industry where things became very siloed. Like you could put a, you would take mobile and mobile would be a third-party app you got from a mobile company and you'd connect that to your POS, but that was a silo and that's another silo. And um, and you would buy this piece of hardware and this piece of technology. But though I think those days are going away. And I think what's coming back is we're going to be more towards uh, moving more back towards platforms and larger platforms where you need to be able to have core fundamental technologies as building blocks that you can then, because technology, I mean, as far as programming and development, all that goes, it's getting easier and easier and faster and faster. Um, there's more and more toys to play around with even, and they can all be interconnected if you're starting from a very strong core platform. Um, and then you can start playing around from there. So as far as VARs go, um, if they find a retailer who's on one of these foundational platforms, they're lucky because they can take use of it, right? So for example, platforms like where you have a lot of microservices, microservices allow you to play. It's basically a toolbox to have fun with if it's done correctly. And so you can bring in third-party applications, third-party solutions if you need be. You can use native ones. But when you're talking about the microservices running on these core platforms, it's way, it's much easier to play. It's much easier also to pilot and to, and, and to, um, well, to, to, to essentially innovate in certain areas and see how things go without having the the, the 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 massive commitments we had in the past of creating whole complete you know enterprise level solutions so i think vars need to get a lot more comfortable with those concepts i think that they um, would start looking at that if not building them on themselves if not looking how you plug in and play with those well and then always keeping in mind i think this thirty thousand foot view of the market itself and again i always talk about the danger of getting too uh, myopic in your view that that it's it's tech it's I have a tech I have a piece of tech and I'm going to solve a problem right now. Um, it's not that's not the way the market's going and you'll see more and more of this happening is you know we mentioned AI before and if you start mentioning things like you know everybody's favorite term is ChatGPT today, um, but if you really look at it uh, at its core of what it is I mean you're talking about a singular massive data repository that's taking I mean if you could ever picture something that's less siloed 
right? It's an LLM that is essentially taking massive, massive amounts of data you know, on a level we could never imagine and then synthesizing that down to a single answer to provide you. It's a great tool, but that's a massive consolidation of what typically in the past would have been having to figure out endless amounts of databases to play around with. Now that you have access to that, what do you want to do with it? And I think that's where we're moving towards. That's when I talk about those platform plays. Like we have these platforms, we have these microservices. What do you want to do now? How do you want to solve these yeah. problems? And yeah. I think the future for VARs are going to be, how are you best solving these problems? Like what, what, can you identify the problems and can you use these tools to solve them in unique, interesting ways? Yeah, no, thank you, Ben. It's like the merchant world is super complex. The technology world is super complex and the VAR has to make it simplified and personalized and do exactly. that match. But if you can do it well, it seems like uh, that's uh, tons, tons and tons of opportunity. So yep. it's thank never you been that. easier, I think, and more complex. Yes, at the same time. Uh, mm -hmm. We're going to take a, a quick break here to thank our sponsors who support the RSP community and make this podcast and video series possible. Our platinum sponsors, Blue Star. Our gold sponsors are CoCard, Heartland, ScantSource, and Star Micronics. To receive the benefits of an RSP membership or RSP sponsorship, email membership at gorspa.org. Also want to remind you, as we said at the outset, registration is available now for Retail Now 2023, the Retail I2 Channel's number one trade show, education, conference, and networking event, July 30th through August 1st at the Gaylord Palms in Orlando. You can find that. You can just Google Retail Now if you want. We kind of own the SEO for that. Or you can go to gorspa.org forward slash Retail Now. Retail Now is where the industry meets and where you have a chance to meet James as well, uh, talking about uh, retail innovation. And let's keep with that theme. So I want to spend the rest of the pod getting your perspective on a few issues beyond what you're going to talk about retail now. But I'm guessing some of them are going to tie in. And so we talked earlier, innovations in your job title. You gave those definitions of innovation versus invention. What advice do you have for the SMBs, right? For those retail IT VARs and the software developers who want to embrace innovation to ensure that their business adapts to the future? What are some, some general tips and guidance you can give for them? Um, so I think innovation is actually really at the heart of SMBs and, and, and VARs and ISVs on that level. Because um, uh, invention tended to be the realm of either tier one or startup. Right? Uh, the, the SMBs in the middle tended to be more innovative, which again is, is to take a technology and figure out how do you apply it best into a market, a new way of doing it. Um, my advice always to SMBs, and having worked in SMBs as well, I, I've, I've learned my lessons the hard way from this, um, is always be careful of the hype. Um, there, it, it takes a very keen understanding of business and your market to truly, and experience also, because if you've gone through enough hype curves, right, uh, you've experienced what it means to bet a lot of resources and a lot of your value propositions on technology that's on the upward way of the hype curve and only to see it sort of drop off to nothing. It's a danger that I think a lot of SMBs um, can fall into, and um, a lot of them can't afford it, much more so than tier ones, let's say, could. Uh, tier ones can absorb risk a lot better. Um, and so how do you do that is, is, is up to you to have your finger on that pulse of the market and to understand through experience. But I think the real danger, the first danger, is not to get too, too romantic with new technology. Um, you have to stay pragmatic to a certain extent. Never lose your passion, but mm -hmm. never let romance also, you know, cloud your judgment. Um, and so it's easier said than done, obviously. Um, but if you have enough experience and you can connect enough data points in terms of the market, you can understand where things are going and what stage they're at. Um, and then I would also um, 
I would also, I mean, the one thing that has always served me very well is, is to maintain strong partnerships within my market also. Um, as we talked about before, how um, your competitors are not always your enemies, right? Um, your adjacent competitors are sometimes your best friends. And I find that way you can actually um, fast forward your business faster than anything possible. Um, so if you want to get more specific, for example, like um, uh, there's always a lot of buzzwords in the market, right? So AI is obviously the biggest buzzword we have going on right now. Um, and I think that there's a danger of being over romanticized in terms of the concepts of AI right now and, and betting too much into there. And I think also at the same time, there's some really real world problems that SMVs I think are better suited to solve than let's say even tier ones. Uh, rather, rather than waiting for a startup to you know invent the next big widget uh, or a tier one to sort of move at the speed of tier one does, SMBs can be incredibly nimble and fast and really respond. I mean, they, they're, they're like speedboats out on the water, whereas a tier one is very much a large ship. Um, and I think that that's really, if I was going, if I was going to go back into the SMB world, that's what I'd be doing. And I'd spend, be spending my time finding out really unique ways to solve some of these problems that are just sort of popping up. Um, theft, for example, shrink is a massive issue going on right now. Um, people are scrambling to find solutions for that. And I'm yeah. working on my own solutions for it. But um, if I was an SMB, I'd be spending time there also. Yeah, and it sounds like one of the things I took out of what you just said there was you don't want to cut off any lines of communication or anywhere you can get knowledge, even if that's a direct competitor, right? Make sure you're having partnerships going every single direction, because if you start ignoring one of those, you're going to have a blind spot is essentially what it is. Am I understanding that as well Absolutely. as what you said? Like, yeah, you can't just live in your own silo. No, uh, you can't live in your own silo. You you can't just look at your own tool bed and say, this is all I have to offer. Um, and and I always take the, like I said, like never be afraid of your competitors and never be afraid of reaching out to them and talking with them. It's, it's some of the best advice I was given. It's the best advice I find I give people is that everybody views everybody as the enemy. Um, and it turns out most of the time they're not. And if they are, it's good to know who your competitors are also in terms of if, if, if that's their attitude on things also, because you'll tend to find that that trickles down to their customer base also. Um, so it's, it's, um, it's a challenging time, I think, because there is a lot of new technology that's been hitting the market in the past couple of years. It's been hitting it fast. It's large technology also. It's not SKU-based technology. Um, it really is a lot of implementation, like for example, machine learning, computer vision. This is not SKU-based technology, right? This is this takes the next level, but this is changing, fundamentally changing our, our, our industry at its core, all the way from you know computer vision technology all the way down to chat GPT and everything in between. This is large tech. Um, and so I think for SMBs, that'll be their challenge is how do you make use of this large tech? And it, it's there. You can do it for sure. Yeah. Um, and don't be afraid to come swim in the deep waters with a tier one also. It's a lot of fun. Yes, for sure. For sure. Maybe. Yeah, challenging, but fun. So I, I want to ask you next about self, right? Not just self-checkout, but also self-service, anything under the self umbrella. In fact, I was just speaking um, about a month ago um, in, in I'm in Durham, North Carolina, uh, or I'm sorry, I'm in Raleigh, North Carolina, and Toshiba's, you know, in the Raleigh-Durham area. They have mm -hmm. their uh, partner advisory council here, and I got to speak with that group. And, you know, we were talking about what were the top trends, and one of them is just everything under the word self, right, that everybody, mm -hmm. you know, you're asking the consumer to do more. Can you talk about where you see the future 
of self, right? Is it just going to get bigger? It's going to be everywhere. Are there going to be no more cashiers? That might be a little bit too far on the extreme. But do you, do you think we're going to see more independent retailers embracing it, not just the big box of the grocery stores? Or do you see like a new iteration of self and self-service that's on the horizon? Um, I think it's going to be a massive combination of everything. Um, so to start off, if we start off, let's say in tier one, for example, so if we start off in big box, the future of big box, depending on your level of customer experience you want to provide, the more likely than not, the future of it is all self-checkout. Um, we'll see it in Walmart, for example, right? Walmart uses Canada usually as their test bed for, for their new experiences and their new technology. Um, I guess they figure up here, no one's really going to notice. Um, or we're so <laughs> polite that they can get away with doing anything they want. Um, but it, it, and what they've been done, what they've been testing up in, in Canada is hundred percent self-checkout Walmarts. And they had a couple of pilot stores. It's been incredibly successful and that's going to keep rolling out. Within the next couple of years, I would not be surprised if all of Walmarts are self-checkout. Um, and that'll become just a ubiquitous way you shop at Walmart. And then that'll have its own trickle down effects eventually also. Uh, part, of this, I mean, part of this is being driven by the absolute lack of labor that's, that's, that's available on the market. As I said, before COVID, we used to try and reduce labor based on cost. Now we have to figure out how to re reduce our reliance on labor based on availability. Um, people are willing to pay more than ever for to get employees in, but you just can't find them. And so that's going to be a massive driver in the market. And so it's actually being driven more towards that um, um, that resource or that rather um, uh, limited resource that we have available. But I think what's to answer the other question you had is where is this going to end up? Well, usually things start at tier one and you'll see them trickle down. And I think what should happen is depending on, again, the customer experience you want to provide, um, what is your value proposition to your customer? So if you consider yourself to be a low cost provider, let's say a high turnover provider, right? So things like C stores, uh, things like lower end retail, for example, you can, you'll start seeing more and more self-service popping up there. Originally probably as an option. So you'll have like, you know, cash register and then you'll have an option for self-service next to it. And that'll become more ubiquitous. We see that happening. Um, and then that's going to keep pushing and pushing and pushing the market. Um, Amazon Go was the real push towards total frictionless. Oh, right. But we've already seen how they're stopping their rollouts. They're closing down stores. And so I think that may have gone a little too far in some ways. Yes. Um, but that really is where the future is going. Um, and it, it, and it, it really will be dictated mostly by the absence of labor and the acceptance of the shopper. Um, because once you once you become more used to it at big box, so Walmart's, grocers, things like that, when you walk into a specialty store and you see it there, it becomes more familiar to you. Yeah. Even if it's surprising at first, we're human beings. We're the most adaptable creatures on the planet. We get used to things really, really quick. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the future of it. And then those that want to provide a, a high-touch experience, right? they will be forward. Then the, you'll, you'll choose that retailer based on your actual experience in the store. Um, which will be interesting because I think then there'll be more commitment sort of to your value proposition as a retailer. Yeah, you'll have to double down on what direction you want to go in as opposed to playing it in between, right? Because if you have a, you know, a more of a boutique shop, do you want just a self-checkout kiosk there? Like you said, you're starting to see pop up in a lot of convenience mm -hmm. stores. It seems like that's not the kind of vibe that you're going for uh, in that place, right? And exactly. so you're going to have to choose what technology aligns with you as opposed to it's just been, you know, up until recently, a one-size-fits-all, more or less POS system. 
Yep. And I think that it's an opportunity for retailers, right? It's an opportunity to really commit yourself to a brand, to a value proposition, uh, and then deliver on that brand promise. Um, and so you're going to have the opportunity now to truly, truly start delivering more and more on that brand promise when it comes to, you know, the digital transformation of your store. Um, and that'll also tie over, obviously, um, either working forwards or backwards from the brick and mortar feeding into e-commerce or vice versa. Mm -hmm. um, the, that omni-channel experience has to, will, will, will be able to be delivered upon even more. Because um, if you are a low-cost provider, then you're going to see that those those I mean, it's already been happening, obviously, but we all we still know that over 90% of all retail is still brick and mortar. Um, and so those experiences, though, I think, are going to change. And brick and mortar retailers have the opportunity now to sort of change that in-store experience to better match that brand promise and then connect it over and, and have that more ubiquitous experience across the board. Um, Grocer is going to do that. Big box should do that also. Yep. Um, things like augmented reality and even VR, I think, are going to start eventually driving that as well. Um, I think eventually you're going to see that there's going to be no difference between being in a store or on your sofa, um, as it should be. I mean, if you're going to take retail one place, yeah. um, leaving your house is always the number one place to start, right? Because nobody wants to yeah. leave their home anymore. Um, or people have left cities, right? And you're out in the suburbs and it's a different way of shopping. But I think you're going to start seeing augmented reality and virtual reality start playing much more of a well. Give it five years. Apple just came out with their VR helmet. So it takes yeah. five years for their products to become, you know, to take over the zeitgeist. Um, you have about and, that much time, I think. But to your point, it has to have some prag something pragmatic with it, right? It can be cool and all that, but it has to have pragmatism to it. I still remember going to a distributor conference uh, several years ago, and one of the VARs was up on stage, and he said, did anybody see that 3D digital signage? You know, you had to have the right angle to get the 3D. And he yep. said, uh, is the vendor of that still here? No, good. Who the hell needs that? Like, what good exactly. does that do anybody? Right? Like, there's yeah. no practical application for it. And that's, that's what it sounds like you're saying. Sake. Yeah, yeah that's, that's exactly what it was. And yeah. that's why I talk about the hype and not getting too caught up in the hype and the romanticism of technology. And like, and even if let's say that, 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 that 3D where you got to look at it at just the right angle or there's nothing there. I mean, okay, 10 years from now may be really cool. I don't think you've got 10 years of runway um, yes. to commit yourself to it. So that's when you're an SMB, you got to be very careful about those things. Um, right. And then, I'll just say that was several years ago that I saw that. I don't yep. think I've seen that technology outside of a trade show floor uh, ever, right? Because the merchant said like, like again, what is what is that practical for? So exactly. James, we only have a couple minutes left. I did okay. want to ask you, and you touched on it earlier, uh, you talked about generations. And so right, we're seeing Gen X and millennials, right? They have the share, the bulk of, you know, they're the bulk of consumers nowadays. And I think a lot of people don't realize like the oldest millennials, you know, they're in their forties at this point. And then you mentioned we have Gen Z as well. How do you see retail changing to meet their needs? And then what do technology solution providers do about that? And am I just asking a different angle of the question? You're going to give me the same answer that you did before of it's got to be personalized and appeal to that, that broader group is what it is. There's got to be choice in terms of from a technology standpoint. I think that's really what it is. Um, it does come down to choice and it does come down to how much can you create a bespoke experience for those who want it. If you want to differentiate yourself as a retailer and you want to differentiate um, um, or, or capture you know, segments of the market or maintain even your existing customer base, you're going to have to start catering more and more. Because like I said, there's a floods of technology coming in and some generations like it and some generations hate it. And if you're not willing to commit to one generation and then you need to be able to cater to all of them. Um, 
but what's going to get interesting, I think, particularly with Gen Z and then the younger generations, as I mentioned, I think they're going to line up very interestingly with, let's say, VR, right, and AR, which will, they'll be the first adopters of this type of shopping experience. Um, you may actually end up changing your in-store experience to cater towards older generations, while the younger generations are perfectly content to sit on their sofa at home. And you'll be replicating stores, you'll be digital twinning them, right? But um, your in-store experience may actually provide you a lot more leeway in terms of the next generations that are going to be moving more and more into these virtual or augmented worlds. Um, even an augmented world is bespoke onto itself when you walk in with glasses on and you're having an augmented retail experience that could be very catered to you and you, you just change the digital experience rather than the in-store experience and you cater that to them. So there's new technologies, I think, that are going to allow for what I'm talking about, about being very customer centric and, and generationally centric um, to address just those problems. And, and that's the really cool part, I think, of where retail is heading towards is it's going to be very, very um, um, it's going to be very clouded in terms of what's brick and mortar and what's digital, what's online and what's not. We're going to be standing physically in a store having a completely digital experience. Yeah. Um, and so I know we've been talking about it for a while, but you can see, like, I've been waiting for Apple to come out because Apple can own those markets and they change the markets, right? Yeah. And so um, I think about five years from now, we're going to be having a very interesting conversation about this. Very cool. Very cool. Well, thanks for making time for the conversation today. And again, thanks for throwing your hat in the ring and speaking uh, at retail now. So, well, that does it for this episode of the Trusted Advisor. We hope you enjoyed our discussion. If you did, be sure to subscribe to the RSP YouTube channel and the Trusted Advisor podcast so you never miss an episode. And again, be sure to register for Retail Now 2023, July 30th through August 1st at the Gaylord Palms in Orlando, diverse high-tech expo hall, plenty of networking opportunities, and several, several great breakout education sessions, including Future Trends in Retail and Hospitality, featuring James Frank. So for all the details, visit the show website at www.gorspa.org forward slash retail now. Before we go, big thanks again for to James Frank for Toshiba for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Thanks also to RSP Director of Marketing, Chris Arnold, for his production work, Joseph McDade for our music, and last but not least, thanks so much to you for listening. Our goal at the RSP is to accelerate the success of our members in the retail IT ecosystem by providing knowledge and connections. For more information, visit our website at gorspa.org. Thanks for listening and goodbye, everybody.